want to welcome in our Pullman peeps. They're joining us this morning. Good to have you along. Uh, glad that you're here. So excited to be home. I love going to Israel. It is so rejuvenating for me, so focusing, and I always get, it's like a spiritual vitamin shot, but I love coming home and being a part of this church and being a part of what God's doing here, and I'm just blessed to be a part of this church family. So I wouldn't trade this for the world. Don't worry, we're not moving to Israel. Um, I love coming back home. I do, and I love being here. So uh, if I fall asleep today, don't just um, turn the lights off and quietly leave. That would be great. I'll, I'll wake up eventually. Still getting a little bit adjusted, so I don't, I'm not fully responsible for what I say today. Um, so you can write emails to somebody else if I offend you. <laughs> it's highly probable that I'm going to offend somebody on a good day. Um, on my less than good days, it ups the odds substantially. So uh, we are in Genesis, and last week, Paul left us with this kind of yucky space of Jacob and Laban trying to outmaneuver one another. And it's like the battle of the manipulators, right? I love this section of the story uh, of the Scriptures because this is a sermon for those of us who are, we don't really like who we are. This is a sermon for those of us that have been kind of victim to the same routine in our life again and again and again. This is a sermon for people who um, feel like they're stuck in a pattern that they can't get out of. This is a sermon for you today. And so I'm excited about this. And if you're not that person, this is a sermon that would be great advice for somebody else, for you to give somebody else. Uh, so I, I want to... I wanna, introduce this with um, a conviction that I have. I believe that as people sit in my office for counseling, for the various opportunities that I have to counsel people, the majority of people really don't want to get well. It's a profound question that Jesus asked the, the lame man in John chapter 5, do you want to get well? And it seems on the surface like that's kind of silly, but the truth is many people that sit in my office, they don't want to get well. They don't. What they want is for me to justify why it's okay for them to stay broken. Because we experience wounds in life and we find ourselves being the victim of our personality at times or choices that we make and we can't get out of it. And the truth is we want to deny that piece of ourselves and be okay with it. But what I would suggest is that for many of us, the places that we find in our life where we find this perpetual... Um, poor choice that we keep seeming to want to make, that that piece of you is the very thing that God wants to redeem. And so the goal of our growth in Christ is to love about ourselves what God loves about us as much as God loves it. I think for many of us, the trick of spiritual growth isn't so much about understanding how much of a sinner we are, it's about truly understanding how sacred we are. How holy are you? This is the battle that Jacob faces in this section of Scripture. This is the battle of what's going on with Jacob here. He's about to have to come face to face with every poor decision he's made up to this point. 
And what we see in him is this need to manipulate, distort, twist, work an angle. He's trying to lessen the blow, and there's no way around it. He's going to have to face head-on the mistakes that he's made. And so we're going to jump into this mess of a story with Jacob, with Genesis 32. Let's read. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim, which means God's camp. Super creative, Jacob. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir. Why? Because God told Jacob to go home, and he knows who waits at home for him. It's Esau. And the last time, 20 years ago, that Esau saw him, he said, I'm going to kill you. And he meant it. And so for all Jacob knows, Esau's right in the same place where he was 20 years ago when Jacob left. And so Jacob's afraid. Thus you shall say to my Lord Esau, thus says your servant Jacob, I've sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants. I've sent to tell my Lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. Now, why is Jacob saying that? Why is Jacob saying, look at all this stuff I've gotten? Well, if you remember, when Isaac blesses Jacob and Esau, and this is something that actually Josh Gray pulled out uh, in Sermon Club, and I was like, man, that's really good. Isaac blesses Jacob with legacy. You're going to be remembered. He blesses Esau with possession. Esau's going to have a lot of stuff. Go back and read the blessings. I think Jacob is playing on that. Look, Esau, I've got this stuff, and you can have it because this is what you're here for. This is going to be your mark in the world is all this stuff that you acquire. So here, take all my stuff so that you won't hurt me. Why? Because Jacob's afraid. So what is he doing? He's working an angle because that is who Jacob is. He's a usurper. He's the angle maker. He's the one who's trying to manipulate. And, and used for God's kingdom, this is a super effective thing. But used for his own devices, it becomes really yucky in a hurry. So he's been, it's been getting the best of him. He doesn't know how to not do it. Here's this thing about God's created design for you. It will find expression. You can't stop it from finding expression. The goal is not to kill it. The goal is to understand it so that you can put it within the boundaries that God sets for our life so that you can maximize its potential. You don't kill it. You maximize it. <laughs> and we, and we, we hate this about ourselves often. It's amazing to me. You're like, why would I hate what God put in me? Well, come sit in my office and we'll talk about it. And what we'll find is the thing that you don't like about you, like people who have this deep-seated empathy for the world, they hate it about themselves. Because I feel like I'm getting suckered into all these things all the time. People, people who are made to serve, like they're made to meet needs. It gives them life. They lose all sense of time when they're serving and meeting the needs of people. They come in my office and they're like, I hate myself. It seems like I'm in one bad relationship after another. Like everybody that I get to know always is taking advantage of me. 
we hate the very thing that God loves so much about us, this is where Jacob's at. This is his wrestling match. And God's going to do something cool with him. He's going to do something so cool. So cool. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he's coming to meet you and there are 400 men with him. This is not good. Like this is pushing every one of Jacob's insecurity buttons right now. Remember when Abraham went and liberated Lot from the kidnappers? He only took 318. This is 400. Dun, 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 dun. Like this is bad juju for Jacob. <laughs> bad Jacob juju. That's, that's funny. Uh <laughs> Uh, then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Yeah, because it looks like Esau's coming to clean house. So what is Jacob going to do? He's going to work an angle. Self-preservation. This is Jacob's modus operandi. Self-preservation. So what does he do? He divided the people were the, who were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two camps. That's brilliant. He divides them into two camps. You know what I would think? I would think, oh, he's coming at me with, I got men servants, I got women servants, let's go, let's fight. That's how I would be wired. Not Jacob, he's like, survive. Like he never draws a sword, he never, in his life, he never goes to war with anybody, he doesn't. It's not in him to do that. He is a survivor. He's a work at angle and I don't want to fight you, I want you to love me. That's who he is. I don't want to fight you. I'm going to bring you to, the, to my side. That's who he is. He's thinking if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, return to your country and your kindred that I may do good. Listen to what he's saying to God, even to God. God, you told me to come here and now he's coming at me with 400 men? Really? I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all, the un- all of the faithfulness you've shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, for the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said... I will surely do good, do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. Do you see what he's doing with God? He's working an angle <laughs> with God. Hey, God, you said, he's coming at me with four, like you said, you said, God. Remember what you said? You said you were going to make my offspring great. Remember how you said that? You said it. So he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother, Esau, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels, because everybody needs a good milking camel. (laughs) I can tell you this, they're not good for writing. Um, Come with me to Israel, I'll prove it. And their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. These he handed over to his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass on ahead of me and put a space between drove and drove. He instructed the first, When Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, To whom do you belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say, They belong to your servant Jacob. They are present, sent to my lord Esau, and moreover, he is behind us. 
He likewise instructed the second and the third and all who followed the droves, you shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him, and you shall say, moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes on ahead of me. I may. There's, there's no angle being worked here. I may make him happy so he doesn't kill me with his 400 men. See how this goes? I give up my whole kingdom now that I have to die. Jacob is a master at self-preservation. Uh, and afterward, as you'll see his face, perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him, and he, he himself stayed that night in the camp. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else he had, and Jacob was left alone. What a, what a jerk. Like, there's no manly chivalry like, I will fight for my family. Nope, you guys go ahead. Um, go meet Esau. See, let's see what he's like. I'm going to, because Jacob is hardwired to survive. That's who he is. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now, this man we know is God. We're going to reveal it as God later on. But this is incredible. Uh, I coach wrestling. I have to wrestle with the kids sometimes. And we do these things in practice called grind matches. 25 to 30 minutes, grind matches. They're miserable. When I have to do them because we have uneven numbers, I dread it. And so basically what I do is, right, because I got 45 seconds of fury before I'm gassed out. Like that's all I've got. So I will take them down, get on top of them, and hold their head in the mat. <laughs> That's it, for 25 minutes, because that's all I can do. I can't wrestle for 25 minutes. That's crazy. You'd be so, 25 minutes isn't even a good warm-up for an all-night wrestling match. Like, this is insane. How hard is Jacob willing to work in order to help himself get ahead? How hard, what effort is he willing to put into him being able to be blessed? How hard is, what, like, this is crazy. But this is Jacob, and it opens up a, a window into understanding why is it that God would use a guy like this? Because at the end of the day, this is a guy who's willing to give everything for a cause he believes in. He just, right now, all he really believes in is himself. Uh, when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Why does he want a blessing? Well, because if he gets a blessing, then he comes out ahead. Remember, in the Jewish thought, this is, this is actually obligating God to pull off whatever you speak. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, usurper is my name. And then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. To which we all go, whoa. Israel means wrestles with God. And it seems to be a prerequisite of the people that God wants to use. That Not that they're blindly, without a will, following him. Oh, whatever you say, God, I don't have an opinion. No, God wants people who are willing to grab him by the collar and say, I don't understand what's going on here. God, why would you do this? Why would you call me to this place? Those are the kinds of people that God wants to use, and they're faithful 
anyway. I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all together. Why am I in this situation? Why is it that I always find myself here? I don't want this, God, but because you're God, I will do this anyway. That seems to be really important to him. Not somebody that's like, I'm just so happy, just whatever, you know, just, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> like, it's not reality. You don't live in the real world. Like, the, it's hard. Walking out your God-given agenda is hard. It's hard. And for some people, it comes at a great cost. But God's not asking you to have it all figured out. He just wants you to be willing to go to the mat with Him and then trust Him anyway. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God's face, God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose up upon him and he, as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. So this is Jacob. He's this guy who is constantly working the angle. He's constantly trying to manipulate the situation to his own advantage. Now, that overextended in the wrong direction is really destructive. It's... it's it's nasty, it's dirty, it's, it's um, coercive, it's, it's I'm going to use you for my own ends and I don't really care about you, extended in the wrong direction. But if God could get a hold of somebody like that, oh, the legacy that they could leave. Where are you in your understanding of God's agenda for you? I mean... Everybody has a design. Everybody does. Everybody has a thing that God made them to do. Here's how I know, because the Bible says it. Psalm 139, God knit you together in your mother's womb, right? He put you together in your mother's womb. Proverbs 16.25 says that God marks the steps of a man. If God is as smart as I think he is, those two thoughts are connected. That God makes you to be something in the world and then creates a path for you to walk that is the perfect way to maximize the thing that he made you. It's almost as if when you were conceived, God looked over the whole world and he said, what does the world need? And then he went into your mother's womb and he made it. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're not a whoops. You're a gift that God gave the world. That's who you are. And when we begin to understand that, we start to understand that this thing that God made us to be is good, no matter who says what about it. And we'll come back to that thought. Let's look at the reunion between Jacob and Esau. Genesis 33, Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants. 
And he put the servants with their children in front. What a great guy. What a... And he put the servants with their children in front, then Leah with her children and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him. And an old man never runs. Like this is humiliating for him. He humiliates. Maybe Esau gets this DNA of hospitality in a way that Jacob doesn't understand it yet. By the way, did Jesus ever tell a story about a guy who had two sons and the younger one left and came home and the dad ran? It's a retelling of this story, which helps us to start to unravel what is God trying to communicate here. God loves it when the lost, messed up, broken, jacked up people come home. And how many times have you heard it said, I've got to clean myself up first before I come to church? No, no. Come home and let Jesus clean you up. You don't have to stay away. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. And when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children, he said, who are these with you? Jacob said, the children of whom God has graciously given your servant. And then the servants drew near, and they and their children, and bowed down. Leah likewise, and her children drew near and bowed down. And last, Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. Esau said, what do you mean by all this company that I met? Jacob answered, to find favor in the sight of my Lord. I didn't want you to kill me. I wanted to win you over. Why? Because I'm an angle worker. It's who I am. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Dude, don't you remember God's blessing to me? I got lots. Don't worry about it. You keep your stuff. I got lots. It seems as if Esau, over the last 20 years, did the work that Jacob should have been doing in his own self and never really did. Esau's figured out how to move on. Esau's figured out how to get whole in his heart in a way that Jacob still has to grow up in. Here's the thing, so many of us are sitting in the position of Jacob in this story where we're, we feel like at every turn, it's, it's just who we are that beats us up. We keep making the same mistakes. We keep finding ourselves in the same relationships, in the same positions in life, in the same whatever. And I have so many people that come and sit in my office that are like, Aaron, I don't know what to do about this because the church said it was bad. Or because my friend said this was bad. Let me give you a dicey example. I mean, why not be controversial? When God makes a leader who is a female, the church can really beat her up. And this is what they say. Here's what you need to do. You need to go home and do what? Submit. You're like, I don't don't know how to do that, right? Now, we all need to work on submission. Don't Don't get me wrong about this. But what happens is people will say, here's how you learn how to submit. You read your Bible and pray. But the problem is God made you a leader. 
So the more time that you spend with God reading your Bible and praying, you become more of a leader, not less of one. It's all jacked up. Like, I'm, not, I'm all for understanding hierarchical structures and all that stuff, but be what God made you to be. You can't hide that. And the more you try to walk with him, the more that it will keep trying to find expression. So what a lot of people do is they quit reading their Bible and praying because they believe that that thing in them is bad. What they do is they go drink or they go smoke pot or they go do some other drugs to numb it because they don't like it. But then they get cleaned up and they start walking with the Lord again and guess what? It shows up again. And it takes the community to help us round out how we're supposed to help apply that in the kingdom. Like you can't do it on your own. But the scary part about that is that if I'm going to trust you to speak into my life, I got to deal with all the wounds that this bad expression caused. And that's really, really dangerous. It's really dangerous. It's risky. But that's the nature of relationship, isn't it? It's risky business. And God says, right, go be a part of community anyway. It's who we're made to be, and you can't run from it. This is a huge conversation about design, God-given design. Like God puts a piece of himself inside of every human being and he wants to use it. We want to hide it. Like the goal of the community of the God, the church, should be to help people realize how incredibly sacred they are. You are far more holy than you ever imagined. God has deep, profound purpose for your life. And we walk in his ways, not because he wants to control us or because the rules. We walk in his ways because it helps us unfold our design. It helps us maximize our potential. And that ought to stir you. Jacob is in a position for the first time where he's taking his first steps into his best created potential. But in order for him to do it, he has to face down the scars of his past. There's a couple of ways that people try to deal with hurts. Either they try to numb it in some way. We, I want to avoid it. I don't want to talk about it. Or I'm going to use some sort of a substance, alcohol, drugs, whatever, medication, whatever. They try to numb it in some way. Or they try to fight through it. Here's the thing. Numbing your pain does make it go away until you're not on whatever it is that's numbing you anymore. And then it surfaces again. So the pain never actually went away. You just avoided it for a little while. Facing it down while scary and dangerous and has the potential to kill you, it could be that you feel like Jacob standing in the middle. I'm going to deal with my scars, but it's like Esau's running at me with 400 men. Yeah. Scary, scary. But here's the promise. On the other side of that journey, the pain's gone. 
and you're free. Like freedom doesn't come from foreign substance abuse. Freedom comes from facing the pain down and dealing with it. And that's important. You're never going to be able to take hold of your destiny, what God made you for, until you're willing to stare your past in the eyes and say, you won't control me anymore. And you need a community to pull that off. You need relationships to pull that off. You can't do it by yourself. You weren't made to do it by yourself. And in America, that's called weak for me to need people. So, okay, I'm weak. And yet whole and free in ways that the strong people never get to understand. So, come on. So, strong people, if this was your problem, you could get over it. <laughs> if you want to be strong and you want to be independent and look, I don't need anybody, look at me, I got the world by the tail, look at me, I'm strong. No, you're scared. Because vulnerability is actually the position of power. Find somebody who has the courage to stay in a vulnerable place. That is a person who is strong. That is a person with fortitude. That's where Jacob goes, and because of it, God can change his name. He gives him a new identity. That's beautiful. Now, we're going to move towards the Lord's table, and because uh, we're going to do that, uh, I think this is a beautiful example of tying into exactly what we've been talking about. We're going to work through some implications while they're passing that out. If you're new with us, we have at our church an open table. What that means is anybody who's willing to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us is invited to partake. I've had a lot of church people say, you need to take communion more seriously. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, you need to prevent people from taking communion. Really? What? I need to, you need to prevent people from taking communion. Listen, Jesus wants you at his table. You want to be there? You're welcome. You're welcome. You are welcome at the table. There is a place for you. But hold the elements till the end and we'll take them all together. While they're passing that out, I want to work through a few implications. Implication number one, God doesn't need you to get it together before you're useful to him. Jacob doesn't have it all figured out. He's not fixed yet. And yet he comes to the realization of who God has made him to be and he stands in this scary place. I think for many of us, we would stand in that position today if we were like, okay, I, I'm committed to dealing with this stuff. I'm committed to figuring out what I'm made for, but it's hard. It's scary. I don't know what that looks like. Here's why church community is so important. Not because we help you fix the problems you face down. You and God got to walk that out together. But because we can commit to you that is no matter how messy it gets, on the other side of it, I'm going to be with you. I can't take it from you. I can't make it go away. I can't fix it. I can't help you. What I can do is say, no matter where it is, we're going to stand together on the other side of it. And the power of presence gives us courage to move forward. God doesn't need you to have it fixed all together before you're useful to him. Let him help you clean it up. Next implication. 
Even in your struggle, there are people who show up in your life who invite you to God's best for you. And here's something that I want to say that is true. If you find yourself in a position where today you're like, I'm all alone. I don't have anyone. That is a lie that Satan uses to keep you stuck. That is a lie that Satan uses to keep you stuck. Even in your darkest moments, God puts people in your life that show you how to move forward, that are there with you. Esau shows up for Jacob, and he invites him to a better reality. I would suggest that part of the reason why Jacob becomes everything that he's supposed to be is because of this moment with Esau. God sends these people into your life all along the way. The question is, are you so internally focused that you miss it? Or are you able to see it for what it is? Next implication. We have to be honest about who we are. And that sucks. Because for some of us, we need to understand that we are not as awesome as we think we are. Sometimes we need to deflate our head a stitch. It's the funniest, well, some people need to understand that you're not as bad as who, as who you think you are. Like both ways. You got to be honest about who you are. And the only way to do that is in relationships with people because inside of myself, if I think I'm worse than I am, I got too many scars to see honestly. And if I think I'm better than I am, I got too inflated of a view to myself to be accurate. I need people to speak the truth. I think every person ought to be surrounded by a group of people who say, you don't impress me very much. I love you anyway. Like, we need that in our life. We need that. We've got to be honest. If you're going to be able to move forward, you've got to be honest about where you're at and who you are. Because we've got to deal with the truth. You can't fix a lie. Next implication. Real honesty about who and what I am opens the door to reconciliation and community in my life. And if you're sitting there thinking, but I don't want community, people are the ones that hurt me. That's what you're made for. Like walking with God is always going to take you into deeper and better relationships. It will always do that. You can't escape it. You can try to run from it, but that only reinforces the brokenness. If you're going to get whole, it's going to lead you to relationships with other people. It just is. And some of those relationships are relationships that are broken because of wounds, pain, scars, and you can heal from that too. The good news is, if you find yourself like Jacob, scared to death to face down the reality of the scars of the past... God will be with you every step of your healing journey. Now pull around you a few people who will love you enough to stand beside you as you walk that journey and let's get to it. I love what communion represents in the context of this conversation because it invites us to a laying down of ourselves. Jesus says, if you lay your life down, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And, and that's not so much about like a, 
That's a weird reflexive truism. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. If you try to hold on to your life so tightly, you will only get what you can produce. But if you'll let go of your life, if you'll lay it down, God will show you a life fuller, bigger, and more amazing than you ever thought you could have. That's why Ephesians 3 says, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever think or imagine, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Like that, I got big dreams. But if God's dreams are immeasurably bigger than my dreams, I don't want my dreams. I want his dreams for my life. Not because they're right, not because they're true, but, and they are right, and they are true, but that's not why I want them. I want them because they're better than anything I can come up with on my own. We just got to be willing to deal, to deal with the issues in our life that are keeping us stuck. Not pretend they don't exist. You've got to be willing to do your work. If that takes community, if that takes counseling, if that takes whatever it takes, I don't care. Find a way to be able to deal with your scars so that you can move towards getting whole and watch God open up worlds to you. He's waiting and he's ready. Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and he said, this this is my body which is broken for you, it's given for you. So whenever you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. And he took a cup and he said, this cup, it's a new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. So whenever you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Lord, thank you for your love and for your grace. And thank you for inviting us to a, a deeper, wholer, freer, truer version of ourselves. God, give us the courage to face down the brokenness in our hearts. And Lord, give us people around us that will stand up for us on our behalf and be the best cheering section. Help us to consider how we can encourage one another daily so that our hearts don't become hard. In your name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, connect with us on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website, liferotp.com.